Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ right here in Omaha, Nebraska. We're so thankful to have the opportunity to be with you today to open up God's Word once again, as we get to do every day, Monday through Friday, to teach God's Word, to get dig deeper, look at it in a little more depth, but still we try to explain those teachings in a way that are that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your daily lives. We want to help as many people as we can come closer to God, and ultimately help them get to heaven. You know, most people, they probably think they're on their way to heaven. And yet Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, that not everyone who even calls him Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. He goes on in verses 22 and 23 to talk about how many are going to say, to him, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out demons in your name and done many, many wonderful works in your name? And and he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you, you evildoers. Now think about that. Now I paraphrased that, that, that particular text of scripture, verses 21 through 23 in Matthew chapter 7, but that's what he's saying there. Not everyone, even those who would call him Lord, those who would say they believe in him, those who would own him as their savior, He says not even all of those are going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of the Father, God, God the Father in heaven. Now that separates a whole lot of people from that ultimate destiny of being in heaven because even though they might say they believe in God, even though they might say they believe in Jesus and see him as their savior, and even though they might say, you know, I go to church every Sunday or at least a whole lot, Uh, they may still not be following God according to his teachings. His word is there to guide us in his will. And obedience to God means obedience to his teachings. And a whole lot of people, they want to do it their own way. You know, a lot of people, they, they recognize, well, God says in his word, but I think, and then they make their own interpretation or application. No, I think does not work out unless what I think corresponds with what God's Word teaches. So we need to stay true to God's Word. And we, we simply try to live by and conduct this particular ministry by that, that, frame of work, uh, that frame of mind, that principle. Sunny Slope Church of Christ. We simply want to be the church that we read about in the Bible. Nothing more nothing less, nothing else. If you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person. Check us out. Get to know us. Let us get to know you. Study God's Word with us. Grow spiritually with us. And we pray that ultimately we'll be in heaven together for all of eternity. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street right here in Omaha. 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. Bible classes begin every Sunday morning at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, we come back together for another period of worship and Bible study. And then on Wednesday evenings, middle of the week, set aside our busy schedules, get our spiritual batteries recharged. We come back together for midweek Bible classes every Wednesday evening at 6.30. Now, you're welcome to any and all of our services. We also encourage you to go to our website, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. 
Now, it's free. It always will be free. We keep saying we're not after people's wallets. We just want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. When you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive on your smart device, whichever one you choose, be that your phone or computer or whatever, you'll automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and this radio program, Search the Scriptures, five days a week, automatically going to your to your smart device. So if you can't listen during the prescribed times, you can download it at your convenience and listen, listen at that time. You'll also receive a seven-day-a-week short Bible study that we call Today's Bible Class. Seven days a week, only about 13 minutes each day. But it keeps us in God's Word and thereby helps keep us strong in our faith. And pointed and living in the direction that God's Word guides us in. So we hope you'll take advantage of that. Churchofchrist.com. Now we're going to begin a new study today. I want to talk about a spiritual famine in our land. Spiritual famine. We understand what the word famine means. It is when the agricultural produce of a particular land or nation, whichever one it might be, could be anywhere in the world. And we have seen famines to one degree or another in parts of this country through history. But we are an extremely blessed nation as far as resources are concerned. And those resources would, con- would include land that is fertile, land that is productive in, in, in bringing forth crops of all kinds so that we enjoy a bounty of food in this land. Now, sometimes in some parts of the country, we see that there's something of a drought that takes place. That seems to be cyclical. It seems to come and then go and happen again, and then the water sources will be replenished. And that seems to go back and forth along that line, again, in kind of a cyclical fashion. But we experience that. But but again, by and large, we are a nation that is extremely blessed with fresh water supplies. We can go to the sink and turn on the tap and water comes forth, fresh water. We can drink to our fill. It is not that way to that degree in some parts of the world. Well, a famine in the land. I want us to read Amos chapter 8, beginning with verse 11, and then read also verse 12. And here we read, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. Now, this was a prophecy from God himself, written by Amos, this particular prophet, to the people of Israel. And what we're really looking at is the people of of the northern section of the nation of Israel. So this was a time after the nation of Israel had divided following the death of Solomon. And so at that particular point, when Solomon's son became king, 
he did not show a great deal of wisdom in how he said he was going to rule the people, rule the land. And so 10 tribes to the north split off from the nation of Israel, and two tribes to the south, Benjamin and Judah, stayed with the king. Well, the tribes, or the two sections of the nation, they did not always get along very well. And the ten tribes to the north became more and more an idol-worshiping people. In fact, the man who became king of those ten tribes, he actually had fashioned and set up two golden calves, one in the north section of that part of the, of the, of the land and one in the south section. And he declared those to be the gods of the people. Now, idolatry, the worship of idols was always and repetitively condemned by God through his word, the Old Testament scriptures. You can go back to the original Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, and the first four of those, I believe you'll find, they emphasize absolute dedication and devotion to God and the condemnation of worshiping idols. But that's not the only place. It goes on and on and on. You could read about this particular warning and condemnation and that God would bring judgment upon those who turned away from him and started worshiping idols, even part of the time, even though they'd still say, well, I still believe in God, but I'm going to worship these idols too. Now, God said, no, that's, that's wrong. That's ungodly. That's unfaithful. And he condemned that practice. You can read about that several times in the book of Deuteronomy. But again, it goes on and on. And, and so here we find those 10 tribes to the north who became known as generally in the scriptures, Israel. The two tribes to the south, they generally were referred to as Judah, even though there was also the tribe of Benjamin, but Judah was the larger, more dominant tribe at that particular time. But Israel, now before this division of the nation, the whole nation was called Israel, but now it's the 10 tribes to the north. And as I said, they became more and more an idol-worshiping people. And so here, Amos is prophesying, warning of judgment from God to be brought upon that land because those people went farther and farther and farther away from God and into the worship of idols. And so in verse 11 of Amos chapter 8, he says, the days are coming. Now, this is not Amos speaking on his own. This is God. It says, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land. Now, that would not have been the first time that God sent a famine upon the land of Israel. But this is a different kind of famine than the people were used to. Not a famine of bread, God says nor a thirst of wa for water. So it's not going to be a lack of produce coming up from the crops and the fields, and it's not going to be a drought where the water supply is drying up and it's insufficient for watering the crops in the field and providing regular fresh water for the drinking purposes of the people and their cattle and flocks and herds and so on. No, no, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but it's going to be a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And then he goes on and he says, there's going to come a time 
when the people of Israel, those 10 tribes to the north, they're going to wander from sea to sea. They're going to look from north to east. They're going to run to and fro. They're going to want to hear the word of the Lord. They're going to want to hear some direction, guidance, deliverance. But God through Amos says, but they're not going to find it. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. That is certainly a unique kind of famine. And I would suggest to you that we are moving down that same road in our country, the United States of America, right now. People are more and more turning away from God's word, and thereby they're turning away from God. Again, there are a whole lot of people who think they can believe in God and they can have this great relationship with him. They just don't follow the Bible. Very little, if any. Now, it's, it's a package deal. God gave us his word to guide us in the way he wants us to follow him, worship him, be with him for all of eternity in heaven. The Bible is his very word, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And it is our guidebook from the throne room in heaven as to how to live as faithful followers, not just believers in, but followers of God. Well, Let's think about this particular prophecy that God gave through Amos to the people of Israel. Now, remember, these were supposed to be God's people in a very special spiritual sense. That is how he wanted to raise them up. And for a period of time, and then from time to time, because they kept digressing, they kept slipping, they kept becoming weak in their faith and faithfulness, they kept, they were wishy-washy. They would go back and forth, dedication to God, faithfulness to God, and then not so much. And often they became, well, in these 10 tribes to the north, they basically became very, very ungodly in their spiritual dedication. They worshiped idols. They went farther and farther away from God. Well, God foretold that he would bring this unique famine upon their land. And again, it would not be a famine marked by a scarcity of food or a lack of water, but it would be a spiritual famine due to an absence of God's word in the land. The situation would develop such that the people would look for, they would actively seek the word from God a prophecy, a deliverance, but they would be unable to find it. And we might ask ourselves, why would they get to that point where they would say, uh, we, we need to find a, a word from God. We need to, to find deliverance, but they can't find it because they had turned so far away from God that God's word had become basically foreign to them. And then there would come a time, God says, through this prophecy, they're going to look for my word but they're not going to find it. I'm going to withhold it from them. They have withheld themselves from my word for so long. I'm going to withhold my word. I'm not going to give them that word of deliverance. I'm not going to give them that prophecy of victory. They're going to seek my word. They're going to find themselves in a dire situation. They're going to need, it's going to be an emergency kind of reality, and they will not find my word. I will not give it to them. 
Now, we would naturally wonder why God would bring such a spiritual famine upon his people. Well, the people had become so disobedient to God. They had turned so far away from God's word for such a long time and thereby showing disrespect and for and abusing their relationship with God that he would bring this judgment upon them. He would withhold his word from them. Now, did they still have the Old Testament scriptures? Oh, yeah, yeah. But probably that was, to a great extent, a forgotten body of knowledge. But they would be seeking God through prayer for deliverance, for some prophecy, for some word saying, I'm going to give you victory over your enemies that are coming against you. And those enemies would come in the future. And God says through this prophecy, I'm not going to give you that victory. I'm not going to give you that prophecy. I'm not going to give you the assurance that I'm going to defeat your enemies before you. The idea that they would seek his word but not find it would basically mean they would seek God's deliverance but not find that deliverance because of their insincerity. Now, let's move to the ninth chapter there and see the further prophecy here. Verses 9 and 10. Amos chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. For surely I will command and will sift the house of Israel among the nations. You understand what a sifter is. You put flour in it or some kind of grain, and then there's some kind of if, if you're doing it manually, there's some kind of handle and you're, you're moving this sifter. It's kind of a sieve back and forth and you're, you're sifting that, that grain or that flour. You're making it finer and you're sifting out all of, the, all of the impurities that would be too big to go through that screen that serves as the sifter. And so very illustrative language here, vivid imagery. Verse 9 of chapter 9 says, and God speaking again, Surely I will command and will sift the house of Israel among the nations. And the idea there is he's going to scatter them among foreign lands. As grain is sifted in a sieve, yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. Interesting. Very you might even think of it as a poetic kind of, of imagery here. And he's saying, I'm going, to remove my, I'm going to remove the Israelites, the people of Israel, those 10 tribes of the north. I'm going to remove them from their land. I'm going to scatter them throughout foreign lands. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say, the calamity shall not overtake nor confront us. God used foreign lands, foreign peoples, nations, to bring judgment upon the Israelites numerous times. When they would become more and more unfaithful to him, more and more disobedient to his word, God would raise up their enemies, and their enemy, he would, he would allow their enemies to conquer them, put them under subjection. Well, this would be that concept to a degree they had never seen before. 
because before God would allow the nations to come in, the foreign enemies, and, and conquer the land and then put the people there under subjection, rob their temple of all its riches and their, their government's treasuries of all its riches, but they'd let the people stay in the land. But now God says, you're not going to be in the land anymore. You're going to be taken as captives into foreign lands. And you're going to be under their subjection in those foreign lands, under their rule. Verse 10, so many of the people, and, and we see this in our land today, don't we? We say, what, America, enemies, foreign enemies, what? We're the, we're the only superpower in the world. We're too powerful for anyone to conquer. I wonder how many nations in history have, have thought that, that are no longer mighty nations. They have been conquered, maybe a number of times, in fact. But he says here, all the sinners of my people shall die by the sword who say, the calamity shall not overtake nor confront us. Those who are saying, oh, no, no, this, those enemies, no, no they're not going to conquer us. They can't conquer us. God is our God. Now, what a bunch of hypocrisy that was, that was for the people of Israel. God is our God. God is our deliverer. He's not going to let those enemies conquer his people, our land. They had turned away from God. So it was just lip service. It was just empty words. It was deception of the people. God will not let us. And this would be by the prophets, the supposed prophets, the supposed holy people, leaders of the nation, God's not going to let this happen. They would deliver false prophecies. God says, all the sinners of my people shall die by the sword who say the calamity shall not overtake nor confront us. God had judgment, a special, a special particular judgment waiting for those individuals. We need to wake up and recognize God is God, and we cannot just do our own thing that is in disobedience to him and his word and still think we're walking faithfully with God. We'll continue our study next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we love you. Help us to show that love through our, dis, through our obedience to you by obeying your word by living in dedication and commitment to you consistently on an ongoing basis. Help us open our eyes and see our failings and our errors in the direction of our lives. Please, Father, we pray this. Please, we pray, Father. Forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.